How are you? Good. That's such a loaded question, isn't it? Oh, man, how are you? And someone asks you, how are you? And all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you're like struggling for an answer. It's a really seemingly innocent question that when it's asked of us, we start to, we, we start freaking out inside a little bit. It's like, how do I answer this in a way that makes you believe me? Right? Uh, I'm good. I'm well. Um, I'm busy. I'm tired. There's so many ways we can answer that. Sometimes we see somebody coming towards us with a smile and we start like, find out how to run out of the room so they don't ask us. A little while back, a friend of mine in a very honest moment said that he noticed when he asks me how I'm doing that I rarely answered positively. Oh, the kids were sick this week. Or I was sick this week. Um, things were going really good and then this thing happened and now I'm here. And... So since then, I've been, I've been trying to be a little bit more conscious about how I respond to this question. So, so I like to say, I'm well. For some reason, I feel like that's grammatically correct. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how I've decided to respond. My teacher in the front row is saying, yes, it is grammatically correct. Yes, I get an A. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've come to this realization that I think we, and, and my, myself uh, especially, but I think we as, a, as an overall bigger culture, um, tend to identify ourselves actually not by what's going on that's really good, but we identify ourselves by what we lack. Have, have you noticed that? The actual definition of lack is the state of being without or not having enough of something. And so when we respond to the question, how are you, we often in our minds turn it into a question of judgment about whether or not we have enough of something. Do I have enough health? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough relationship? Do I have enough of whatever it is that I think is the basis for how I am? I especially think this is true when we engage our spiritual well-being. Most of our struggles with faith come down to a perceived lack, don't they? Maybe the pursuit of, in this, this pursuit in the modern day church of, of projecting authenticity. That's, that's always, that's been the big word of the last decade in the church. We want to be an authentic church. We're going to be authentic. So that means we lead with our lack a lot of times. And, and I wonder if in that, we've come into agreement with an identity that is actually very different than the one that is actually true of who we are in relationship to the person of the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's spurred on by competition or jealousy or envy. And maybe we weren't given crucial things that we needed in life, like love and safety and security. 
Maybe we've been hurt. But something happens when we move from a statement that we mean to just say, hey, I lack cash right now, to taking on an identity that says, I'm a person who lacks cash. And bad things just happen to me all the time. And right when it seems like I have enough, I don't. See the difference? Okay. So we're going to be in John 16 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 16. This is going to serve as our baseline, not just for this morning, but as we move forward uh, in this series uh, called More, Experiencing Life with the Holy Spirit. We uh, are going to keep coming back to this John 16 passage. You start right towards the end of verse 4 into verse 5. Uh, we're going to pick it up there. I'm going to read it. I think if I did my slides right, they will be up behind me, uh, so you can look there too. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's, he's telling them, uh, listen, the world is going to hate you. It's great news, Jesus. Um, the world is going to hate you. Um, I'm going to be leaving you. And uh, the the disciples are kind of in a little bit of a fray. They're, they're, they're feeling a little stirred up by these things Jesus is teaching them. And he says this to them. We'll start in verse 4. He says, I've told you this so that, we, that when the time comes, you'll remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me where are you going. Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from me what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. So Jesus tells the disciples he's going to, where the, going to the Father who sent him. And he points out that rather than stay, staying focused in this moment where he's trying to tell them something really important, they immediately go to their grief. They immediately have their attention and their focus comes off of Jesus and it goes straight to their lack. Jesus isn't going to be here. What are we going to do? 
They didn't even let him finish his thought before they start freaking out about it. But Jesus tells him this, listen, the one who is going to proceed for me, the one that I am sending to you is going to be all and more than you need. All that you need and more. And Jesus says some things here that are crucial for our interaction with the Holy Spirit. And I believe this morning going after taking on an identity of lack. First, I think he's saying here, we often underestimate the crucial relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. We underestimate it completely. We underestimate him completely. He's saying, listen, it's necessary for me to leave and go to the throne so the Holy Spirit can be sent. And there's a sense here that Jesus, in his time in his earthly ministry, he's bound to the same human form that we are. That means when he speaks, he can speak to the people that are in the room with him, right? But his message really isn't going much farther than that. When, when he convicts of terms of sin and judgment and these, these things that he's, he's saying will come with the Holy Spirit, he's really limited to what he's saying to the people in the room. But he's saying, but if I go, what is going to be released is going to speak to every human heart. It will be limitless. My voice, my words will be limitless and will fall on every ear that will hear them. No longer bound to a geographic location when preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. Someone much smarter than me once likened it to in Jesus, it was like, like, like an ocean that was poured into a teacup. And for him to go to the Father was the release of the ocean. To flood the whole world. The glory of the Lord, we're promised, will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the seas. The second thing that I saw that Jesus is saying, um, the Spirit can reveal to all believers everywhere, all that he hears from Jesus and make known to us his glory. This is what Jesus is teaching. What he is saying is that Jesus is not done speaking. He's not done speaking. That, that, I never read that before. When we were in our preaching team meeting and we were going over this, I, I, I just sat there going, did he really just say that? I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Jesus saying, I've got more to say. I'm not done speaking. My word, yes, my word is recorded, but my word, the rhema word, the now word, is going to be coming at you all the time. I'm going to, I want to speak to you. And I'm going to do it through my spirit. Because he's never done speaking and we never lack his voice. Say that, I never lack his voice. Yeah. See, my goal this morning 
we're going to go through some slides today. I had a couple of slides last week. Today I've got a ridiculous amount of slides. It is, it's insane. So much I was like, hey, Andrew, I didn't even, I didn't even make printouts this week because I felt really bad about that, using that much paper. So we will make sure that they get up on the website and you can download them for your own use because I think they will be beneficial to you in your time with the Lord to go over them and to get to know him in this way. But my goal this morning is to absolutely overwhelm us with a greater understanding of three things. A greater understanding of the names of the Spirit of God. A greater understanding of his works. And a greater understanding of his symbols. And they are all important to us as we go continue what we started last week in talking about him as a person. His person, his personality, his divinity, this divine person that we are invited to have relationship with. And, and hopefully, as A.B. Simpson, the founder of our denomination, the Christian Missionary Movement, once said, as he once said, let us honor the Holy Spirit. Um, we are going to set out to do that this morning. That we are done, he will be honored. And we'll have a greater understanding of, of who he is. So we're going to start off this morning um, talking about his names. So we don't need the slide yet. Now, a person has a name or names. My given name is Timothy Eric Binkle. Eric, yes, that is my middle name. Uh, that, was, uh, that is what the E stands for on my credit card. Um, I will not give you my social security number, though. Um, or any other crucial information. Um, so my given name is Timothy. My kids call me dad or daddy. Uh, one of my children calls me Timo. Um, it is, it is, is a term of endearment and affection, I, I, I believe. Um, much to my daughter's amusement, my family still calls me Timmy. Um, and when my dad and I are in the same room together, I am little Tim. And he is big Tim. Figure that one out. But our names mean something. They're identifiers that we respond to. Right? When, when a name, your name, or one of the names or the titles that you've been given is called out to you, you respond to it, Right? Most of the time, unless you're calling in at a collection agency on the other side and saying, is this Timothy Binkle? And you're like, uh, maybe. How do you spell that? Oh, one E, not two, wrong guy. Um, and, but they're all identifiers and things that we respond to. In John 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit by some of his names. Uh, he calls him the advocate. It's paraclete. It's also other places translated as helper or counselor. It's one that is for you, that is, that is, that is standing on and speaking on your behalf. He calls him the spirit of truth, refers to him as the spirit. But scripture is full of names for the Holy Spirit. There's at least 125 of them. Many used multiple times. I'm not going to go over all 125. You do a great word study someday on, like, names of the Holy Spirit and go through it. Um, but we're going to go through some of them. Because I, I, I want us to grab hold of some of these names. 
so here they are. In Scripture, he is called the breath of the Almighty. He is called the Comforter. He is called the Eternal Spirit, the Free Spirit, God, the Good Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Power of the Highest, the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of the Son. He is the Spirit of life and the Spirit of grace and the Spirit of prophecy and the Spirit of adoption and the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of knowledge, the Spirit of the fear of the Lord, the Spirit of truth. He's the spirit of holiness, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of fire, the spirit of glory, and the sevenfold spirit, which speaks of his perfection. Maybe, maybe we have too limited a name set for the Holy Spirit. And as we get to know him as a person, we get to know his names. So that when we call on him, we can call him by his names. You are the spirit of comfort. I'm in distress. I'm feeling abandoned and orphaned. You are the spirit of the Father. Come speak to me. So what could happen if in a specific situation we began addressing him by a specific name? It's a lot, and it's only a few of them. Let's talk about his works. These are his works, which I want to make very clear because they are his works, it means that these are things that are on him to do and to see through to completion. So when we lay down our works in regards to our own pursuit of becoming like Jesus, and we partner with the Holy Spirit in his works, that's actually when we see real transformation happen. When we stop just pursuing him and throwing darts at the dartboard of our spiritual formation and going, maybe this one will work, and we come to him and say, what are your works? What is the work you're doing in me? What is the work you're doing in the people around me? What is the work you desire to do through me? This is how I believe we truly become disciples. This is how we truly begin moving from belief, from unbelief to belief in every area of life. And so we're going to look at some of these slides together. These are the works of the Spirit, John 16. Jesus says when he comes, he's coming to convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's coming to guide us into all truth. He's coming to speak what he hears He's coming to tell us what is yet to come. And he's coming to glorify Jesus and to make known to us what he has received from Jesus. Now, 
we, we will be getting into a lot of these a lot more in depth as this series goes on. But today, I just want us to be flooded. I want us to be flooded. Maybe, maybe with a knowledge of who he is that we did not have before. Elsewhere in scripture, it's, scripture, it says he helps us in our weakness. It says he abides with us forever. That he indwells us. That he unifies the body. That he anoints and sets apart. He searches us. He reveals. He teaches. He helps us discern. He gives us judgment. That, that word judgment, not... Not against anybody. He just helps us make good decisions about things. He gives us the mind of Christ. Let me stop on that one for a second. He gives us the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Because you have the Holy Spirit. That means any other thought about who you are can be tested against the mind of Christ that is in you. You have the mind of Christ. You can, you can, you can ask the Spirit to give you the mind, of, to, to, to show you how to use the mind of Christ. Not even give it to you because you already got it. He leads he bears witness. He speaks in us. He gives us power to witness. He prophesies through us. He gives us visions. He sends us out. He empowers us to witness. He bears his fruit in us and through us. He is the giver of spiritual gifts. He is the one who regenerates us. He makes us anew. And he sanctifies us. He makes us like Jesus, through and through. These are the works of the Holy Spirit. And I told you last week, we were not going to start with symbols of the Holy Spirit, because this is where I wanted to end this two-part message, this introductory seminar, we'll call it, of these two weeks in the person of the Holy Spirit. Because if he was merely a symbol or an object or idea, he would never be a person. And now that we've firmly established his divine personhood, we can look at the way that he's been represented symbolically in Scripture. These aren't random things. People are like, oh, let's just call him like, he's like a dove, right? No, these are, you know, like he's kind of like fire. I don't know. Let's, let's just pick something. No, these are experiential um, realities that people who have encountered him uh, now walk in. They walk in an understanding of, of these things. So um, they give us this deeper understanding of how he's at work in our lives and how he shows up in our lives. Um, so as we go through them, I'll just use fire as an example. Um, the first, one of the first times we, we came in here, um, to, uh, in 2010, as redevelopment was starting uh, in this church, uh, we began singing a song whose chorus was, Fire, Fall Down, 
right? Fire fall down, fire fall down, fire fall down, we pray. And there are people in the back of the room, they're like, what do they mean by fire? What does that mean? Like, like you know, and this church is super fireproof. I don't know if you knew that. Like, there's the, the, the flame ratings on the doors in the kids' classrooms are unreal. Um, we have removed half of the fire extinguishers that once existed in this room. Um, it was, so it's like, fire, what? No, like, we've, we've, we fireproof that. Now, we know that God is not going to send a literal fire in that moment. If he chose to, he could. But he's probably not. What we are talking about is the presence of a person who, when he shows up, our limited earthly language can only describe it as like a fire. What he does in us, what his presence feels like around us. And so let's look at these slides together. In scripture, he is symbolized by water. Those scripture references are there. He's symbolized by oil. All right, have you ever, have you ever experienced the, the oil of, of the Holy Spirit being poured out? It feels like something is being released from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And you're just being covered. Sometimes it feels like, almost like chills that start and they move through your whole body. It's like the oil, the anointing of the presence of God. I've, I've had moments where, where we've been praying for people and I can see someone that has so much anointing on them that it's almost like you see oil drip over them. That's just the Holy Spirit and his presence. He's water, he's oil, he's wind, he's wine. He's the dove. We love the dove. But he's fire. He's the seal. Like an imprint, not... Okay. Um, he's the river. I hope light bulbs are going off all over the room right now. Our name is not chosen because we thought it was a cool name. It's chosen because we, we believe that he is here, he is at work, and he wants to, to meet with us, change us, change our cities, and our whole world. It comes like rain. Comes like a cloud, and there, there are other symbols. That's a lot, isn't it? My goal is not to give you a bunch of information and let you walk away. When you start to date somebody, right, what do you do? You start to get information about them. Maybe you like talk to their friends to try to make sure everything they told you was true, but you start to get information about them. This morning, we kind of went through a little Holy Spirit speed date, okay, on all of these slides. And you're going to get the, like I said, you can go back and you can look at these. And I encourage you, pour over the scriptures that are attached to them. Get to know him. This is about building relationship with a person. But here is what I am absolutely blown away by. All of these slides, can you go back to the first one? 
Yeah, go in reverse and then go back and then go back forward. Keep going. Go back. Is that? Okay, ready? I want you to go through all of them. Ready? Go. It's okay. This is who's been sent to us. Right? Marked on those slides, but even more. That's who's been sent to you. This is actually who indwells us. Right? This person with all these names, who does all these works, who, who meets us and encounters us in all of these different ways. This is who is in you. What do we lack then? We lack nothing. You lack Nothing. Say that. I lack nothing. You have the Holy Spirit who has been given to you by Jesus himself, who is speaking only what he hears from Jesus to us, who is revealing things to us, who then is operating in all of his names, who's doing all of his works and who's encountering us in all of these different ways that we can only best describe by our limited language of symbol. And that's, that is who you've been given. That's who you've been given. So let's think about life for a minute. We go through a lot of seasons, don't we? Some seasons, spring is upon us, grass is growing, my lawn guys were out yesterday and cleaning up my yard. Um, we start seeing flowers soon, life is springing up. And in about two weeks, we're going to start forgetting about the season that we just went through when everything was dead and dry all around us. We go through a lot of seasons in life. Spiritually, when we're going through seasons of life where some feel dry or like death is on our doorstep and some feel like they're full of life and celebration, whatever they are, we tend to look and get caught up in, in what is going on in the season and we forget this amazing picture that's given to us in Scripture that you are like a tree that is planted by a stream of living water, the Holy Spirit. You are a tree planted by that river. That means regardless of the season, the source of life never runs dry. Ever. In fruitful seasons and seasons that seem like we're never going to see spring again. Man, there was a moment this winter I thought we'd never see spring again. So, but we get so caught up in these transitions of seedings, we fail, seasons we really do, right? We fail to see the consistent, constant source of life that is available to us, there to sustain us from one season to the next. So maybe it's time for a new question to be asked. Not how are you? I'm going to challenge us a little bit. 
I feel like it's becoming a cultural nicety. It's just how we say hello. How are you? We don't really expect someone to answer us. We hope they say good or okay so that we can go on to ask how are you to the next person. <laughs> you laugh because it's true. Um, but not how are you or how are you doing. What if we really did ask the question, how is your soul? And we just sat and waited. Because that's a question asking, hey, are you engaging the person of the Holy Spirit this week? Today? What's he doing in you? What's he saying? What, what names has he revealed to you about himself? What are the works you're seeing? What's the fruit that's bearing? Have you felt the fire? Have you felt flooded by the, the spring inside? boiling up, bubbling up in you? How's your soul today? That is why I have taken to responding to I am well. And if you ask me how my soul was, my hope would be that I could say it is well. It's well with my soul. dry seasons because the person of the Holy Spirit is with me. That constant source of life, that stream by which I have been planted, I can say it as well. So, River and those listening in podcast land, it is time for more. It is time for more. And over the coming weeks, as we continue in this series, we're going to transition a little bit and talking about what the more actually looks like. But now we know the person to whom we are called to, to know more, to have more of, to engage more. It's time to experience a new season of life in the Spirit. So I want to end our time this morning uh, with a little bit of reflection. And it's a question that's posed to us by A.W. Tozer, theologian in the Alliance, and uh, who has been very influential in my thinking about the person of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read this quote, and then I just want us to sit, sit and think on it for a minute. This isn't going to be a clean ending today. Let's just sit and think. I'm going to invite him in and to inform us. And it's this. Are you ready to believe? Are you ready to believe that we have just what they, the apostles, people Jesus were talking about in this moment, had? And that every believer who accepts Jesus and is converted immediately enters into and now enjoys and possesses exactly what they did back there. Because somehow I think lack has come into the equation. And we've either been taught or somehow erroneously just, just believe because life has beaten it out of us that we can't possibly have the same expression of the Spirit of God in our midst 
that the church had because they had Jesus. Have you heard that one? Well, they had Jesus with them. So, of course, it was easier. Jesus says, no, it's actually better that I leave. Because <laughs> then you have more. So we're going to leave that up there. and just, This is just a moment to just sit and have a conversation. The person of the Holy Spirit. We invite him in fresh. Give you new eyes, new ears.